here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Name! Mario. Last name? Mario. Okay, what's your name? Luigi. Luigi, Luigi? No, Luigi Mario. Okay, look, how many Marios are there between the two of you? There's three. There's, there's Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Mike! Mike! Up these Mario's around the side. Hey everybody, welcome back to Press X to Reload, where we jump in and see if we can find the best parts of sometimes not the greatest films. We're at a, a fantastic achievement this time around. We've fought some of the best, some of the worst, and we've unlocked a special character. I am Nick Moore. With me are Wayne Brissett, Mark Athanis, and Adam Prosser of the What Mad Universe podcast. Wayne? It's a me, Wayne. Mark. Oh, God, I wish it wasn't me in here. <laughs> and Adam, welcome to the podcast. May you hopefully get out of it alive. Thanks for having me. Let's go. Oh, God. <laughs> Let the racial stereotyping begin. Yeah, right, we are okay. here with Super Mario Brothers, which is a notable video game film for a couple of reasons. One, it is, as far as I can tell, and everyone seems to agree, the first major video game franchise that is directly adapted to a video game. And also it's the example everyone points to about why these things don't work at all. Hmm. It has Mario, it has Luigi, it has Koopa, it has thrills, chills, spills, and might even have a plot. We're not entirely sure, but we all watched it and we're going to discuss it. Let's start with Adam since you're joining us. Hello. How is it joining us on this of all films? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's a surreal experience. I don't know. I'm I'm now I'm dating a woman who loves the, the Sharknado films, so I I have a fairly high tolerance at this point for a terrible mm, movie. Good. So I mean this this movie is never boring. Okay, like let's nope, let's just true. say that right now. Yes, that is true. And I mean the mere fact that, that we're going to have a lot to discuss is makes it worthwhile watching. But yes. even as you're watching it, you're like, this is. This is definitely a movie that I'm watching. It's it's a lot to take in. I mean, it's not like some movies where they're just you're falling asleep and it's annoying and, and terrible. No. They swung for the fences. I've got a whole thing I want to talk about about the aesthetics of this movie, but I'll wait until uh, uh, I don't want to jump in and take over right from the start. So completely understand. You know what? We'll move on. Wayne, I know you're a big Nintendo fan. You love Nintendo. Mm -hmm. I got to assume you love Mario. How did we represent him in this film? Is this a yay, a nay, a dear God, let me run out of the room? Where are we with this? Well, one? I mean, I haven't seen this since it was released in theaters almost 30 years ago. Same. And I remember hating it. <laughs> I remember loathing every moment of it. But it's amazing what time <laughs> and experience does for you because, I mean, in my opinion, I'll admit this is not the worst film we've watched of all the films we've watched so far. It's not the worst. This is by far entertaining, yeah. legitimate laughs. Yes, it's a bad film. I, I do recognize it is a bad movie, but I don't know. It's so, it's, so, it's almost the so bad it's good 
I know you guys thought that for Double Dragon, where I think that's just utter crap. Is this your Double Dragon? This is my Double Dragon. This is so bad, it's it's good. Not that I'm going to go watch it again anytime soon. Just there's some interesting stuff. They have they have some elements that are like this can work, and then it all falls apart. But um, (laughs) it's enjoyable. Christina hated it. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, Um, how about you? Are you on Wayne's side or Christina's side? God damn, I might be in the middle. Um, I got to be honest. I I remember watching it ages ago. I remember hating it. I agree with Wayne in that we have watched worse things. And because of that, <laughs> it was a lot more palatable. But I actually had to stop taking notes because I was only <laughs> commenting on things that I was like, this is awful. <laughs> so I had to stop <laughs> so that I could try to enjoy things about it and what i came out of it with is they actually weren't far in tone when aimed at the right audience like i kept i kept coming back to i was kind of even digging some of the music because of it aimed at a little kid aimed at a kid who's like five or six years old maybe even up to the age of eight and except for the club it's just high fantasy it's just it's just ridiculous and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be cheesy campy awful acting it's supposed to be and if, as long as i kept thinking it was supposed to be that bad um that that was an intention i would describe effort. it as low fantasy not high yeah, fantasy. fair but yes. fair enough <laughs> as long as uh as long as i kept thinking it was supposed to be bad i started to enjoy a few more elements of it to the point where there's this, there's a scene we'll get to with the Koopas dancing in the elevator and I laugh for all the wrong reasons and I'll explain that later because <laughs> it's just a, okay a, but it, I'll tell I'll explain it later but like I was laughing hard I had to pause the film I was laughing so hard so fair enough so yeah I found some enjoyment let me put it that way now I remember seeing this when I was a kid and I don't remember hating it but I remember being disappointed because, again, it was one of the first, you know, video game films as an adaptation. And that was around the time that I was firmly in the camp of Nintendo. And it's funny that you say it feels like it's aimed at, you know, six to eight year olds. I watched this when I was, what, 12, 13, 14, somewhere around there. I don't know. I'm a thousand years old now. But either way, I remember going, I can't tell if this is aimed at someone too young for <laughs> me or if it's aimed at someone above me because you have ridiculous silly things and slapstick in it that's aimed at an eight-year-old and then we'll get to it later but a club <laughs> scene where apparently yeah. they use strippers in real life and that <laughs> felt very adult with mario like using his teeth to grab something out of a woman's boobs it got yeah. weird <laughs> so either yeah. way watching it now i had the reverse of you mark you stopped writing because you went i don't want to write down terrible things I had to stop writing because I kept pausing at things I found absolutely hilarious and amazing. And Krim was starting to give me the side eye about how many times I was pausing this film. Because I was like, oh my god. Why is there yeah. a dead skeleton on the front of a taxi? Yeah, exactly. Why is there a dead skeleton on the front? So Why good. is there a lot of things <laughs> in this movie? Why is there dot 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 could basically <laughs> sum up most of this yeah. film. It's yeah, because everyone in Hollywood came in to write for it at some point and they all had to get their idea. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently. So Wayne was kind enough to to point out to all of us a documentary done by the gaming historian who is available on YouTube. And if you've never checked him out, he's great. Highly he recommend does him. these really great documentaries on all kinds of video game things. And 
what was it, like six to ten rewrites, four sets of directors? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's crazy. Multiple writers getting fired and yeah. rehired. I, I stopped counting, I think, at around five writers. I think it was five. We could but bring some them of them in got pairs. fired and brought back? Yeah. Yeah. They wanted the tone to be dark and edgy and gritty, and Nintendo was apparently down for that originally, and mm. then got cold feet and started like goofying it up. Yeah. Yeah. Of all the of all the video games to go dark and like there's even in nineteen ninety-three, there were plenty of video games that you could make dark yeah, and edgy. For sure. <laughs> right. And this is not one of them. And you'd think Nintendo <laughs> would understand that, because it's this cute game with little cartoon characters and stuff. It's never been dark and edgy. Anyway, I well, know. I know when I think of Super Mario, I think of Blade Runner. <laughs> well, I, I kind of appreciate it in that documentary and get linking to the movie because because it, it certainly has the feel of it is that this was just a science experiment for them. They they didn't need the money. They didn't care about the money. They sold the script for less than what they could have. They just wanted to see what would happen. They just wanted to push the boulder off the hill and just see what it crushed. Like they just they were just curious. And it's it not feels about the like money, it. Mark. It's about making a statement. It's about art. Yeah. <laughs> it's about social it rebellion. The, I, I feel like it was yeah. a social experiment. I really do. Yeah. They were banking on the name to bring the money. That's it. 100%. Yeah. But then, even then, why don't you do something that steers closer to the character as we know them? Like, like if, if even, I don't know, even if you're like, I don't care about the money, then you want to make the best movie possible, right? So why, you think. and it's <laughs> your property that you love. I was, uh, what's his name? Miyamoto? Is that the guy who created yeah. Mario Brothers? Did he have an actual say in it? Because no. they talked about Nintendo, but I don't know if he had a say no. in it. I don't think he did. Okay, so it's like, what have they done to my boy? (laughs) You're making a you're watching the movie through a different lens than I had to watch the movie. I had to watch it thinking they meant it to be bad, (laughs) as opposed to trying to make it good. (laughs) All right, okay. Now, remember, the entire purpose of us is to try and find the good things. I'm going to start with the very opening of the film. Good, because I agree. It is a good remix at the very beginning of the Mario theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it's a good remix while still being eight bitish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you never hear it ever again. <laughs> Correct. You have the most recognizable video game theme in existence. My parents don't play Nintendo, but I bet if I whistled, well, not that I could whistle, but if I hum the Super Mario theme, they know what it is. Yeah. They use it for mm-hmm. 30 seconds in this film and then abandon it. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's to get you excited. Here we go. Th- this movie, okay, with this movie, I-, I feel like you can tell some of the people who made it knew Mario, presumably loved Mario, and a decent chunk of the people just knew nothing about it at all. <laughs> and we're getting it completely for like we knew Bob Hoskins didn't know it was a video game. Nope. Yeah. I think a lot of people involved in it did not know it was a video game or didn't know anything about it and got it completely from the script because it's it's like it was translated into like Chinese and then translated into Italian and then translated back into English and that's how people Google Translate. understood the concepts yeah. Yeah. like there's dinosaurs in it because this was around the time of Super Mario World if I'm not mistaken. It was. So it, was. it became all about Yoshi and the dinosaurs, and that was the element. Oh, we'll and there are the Goombas who are like mm-hmm. mafia Goombas because they're big, broad-shouldered <laughs> mooks. Like that's the joke there. But they not look nothing like the Goombas in the game. So it's like somebody got this information and didn't actually know it in con- in the proper context of the game, and it got turned on, put onto the yeah, screen. That's pretty accurate. One of the things I I genuinely did like about the film, I have to say, is. 
I actually like the casting for Mario and Luigi. I, I think yeah. if not for some of the atrocious dialogue, which actually has its moments for me in establishing, like I thought their chemistry was actually pretty good, especially when it, it, it's just the sort of the, the simple brother, big brother, little brother thing. Like, go talk to the girl, go get her number. What's wrong with you? Like, it's the small things that I thought like, yep. yeah, no, like this, this is working on some level. Yeah, uh-huh. I agree. I thought the casting of those two was really good. My only issue is because of the yeah. age difference, I don't see them as brothers, but more of like father son. Yeah, fair. So, are they actually brothers in it? No. Because they have a couple of lines where it makes it really confusing. I think he's not his brother. No, it's like he's he like was adopted or found or something. Yeah. And then they never yeah. really yeah. follow up on that, but I, I it's guess like that's, he just brought him in. That's like they're trying to yeah. cover for the fact that John Leguizamo is uh, is Latino. I believe, yeah. right? And, and like and, 20 compared to Bob Hoskins, who right. is clearly in his 40s in this. But to, yeah. but to you know, older. feed off what you yeah. just said there, Nick, it's like they it's, they said it in a way where it seems like that was Luigi's actual backstory in the game. So when they say it, we're like, oh, hey, they're following it. But we're all like, right. what the hell? Like, <laughs> we need more. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you have the, the wonderful gag about, you know, their last name is also Mario. So even if yes. Luigi only got the Mario name because Mario took him in, that means Mario's name was always Mario Mario. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, you know what? The well, irony of that is Mario <laughs> Brothers. Right. So and technically Mario so is it, their last name. I we like just never that. thought of it that way. No, that is fu- that, that is, is legitimately it. funny. I like it. It's got to yeah, be. Like I, it was I, funny. I, I just have it. no idea if that's accurate. <laughs> Yeah. But they either don't know way, either. Uh, <laughs> Wayne, I want to ask you a question because, again, and not to pigeonhole anyone, but I know that, like myself, you're big on the music of these, uh, of not just these films, but films in general. Did you remember or know that Alan Silvestri was the one composing this? No, nope. I was shocked when I Does saw that. Does that not seem like Alan Silvestri slumming it? This is the man who gave me the Avengers theme, and yeah. he makes some. 93 was ironically the year that I started collecting and getting into soundtracks. So it's funny. Okay. At that that moment, I probably wouldn't have recognized Alan Silvestri, but when I saw it come up now, I was like, are you kidding me? That's hilarious. Right. (laughs) I paused it and commented to Corinne. Am I alone in liking it, though? Like, there were moments where I was like, I like it. I like what I like the what he's doing good. with the theme. The music's good, you know. In addition I, I like to Silvestri, uh, it had Ed Solomon who uh, went on to write uh, Men in Black and Bill right. and Ted. Like, so it had some people who it went on talent. to better things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is the con really air does. of video game adaptations. A class <laughs> slumming it down to D level. That's well, what this is. the only people who got rude from this was the directors. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> It's yeah, true. everybody it else does. came out of it I, fine, what? except for the directors. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. They never worked again. <laughs> yeah, like, and I don't know, uh, and maybe this is, again, just nostalgia or whatever, but, like, I just feel like that seems like a harsh penalty for a bad movie made in the early 90s, like, to never work again. Like, I get it. It's bad. Well, but, like, it's a cluster F of a movie. Mm-hmm. Sure, but I think a lot of it, and again, I have to go off of the, the information we have, but... Mm. Going back to the the documentary, which I'll put a link to that uh, Gaming Historian put out, it was the the animosity on set between the writers and producers and the cast with the directors. Everyone hated this directing duo. (laughs) So it's not that they released a bad movie because everyone's got a bad movie, Mm -hmm. whether it be an actor like George Clooney and his Batman and Mm -hmm. Robin, whether it be, you know, directors like, you know, Tim Burton's got a bad movie. Steven Spielberg has War of the Worlds. Fight me. I hate that movie. They all have Mm. something that is bad, but they bounce back. There's no bouncing back from (laughs) the people you worked with never want to work with you again. Yeah, That's a hard one to bounce back from. 
But I kept thinking of, though, like I kept thinking of the working environment that is outside of the director's control, which was like the script, like you're having a script. The directors had no say in the script. So the directors keep getting handed crap every day. And they're told they weren't even allowed to be editing. They weren't even allowed to be out of the editing room. So like to me, you're a director, (laughs) you're putting your name on this garbage and you have no creative control other than between action and cut. And you're trying to make that work yeah. and everyone's mad at you and you're mad at everyone. Yeah. Like, I, but, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think it was a one way street, I guess. But it does sound like the directors were legitimately kind of jerks. monsters. Yes. There's different <laughs> stories and yes, they, they had it bad as well as everyone else, but it does kind of sound like they, like in spite of all that, like Bob Hoskins could have liked them and he didn't. And uh, the people on set could have liked the directors making the best of the bad situation. And they still didn't like the directors. Oh, right. But that's what I'm so, saying though, is I, I think the directors are getting, I just think the directors were in an impossible situation and, and handled it badly. I'm not sure. saying they were saints. I'm saying they, <laughs> they handled part it of their, yeah. yeah. Part of their suck was the sucky situation they were in. <laughs> And they didn't rise above that. (laughs) They maybe, again, got pulled down below that level. But I think to never work again, that's rough. That's rough. Although, I mean, they've got to be doing something. I'm assuming they're doing something. Well, they said they get... I think it might also be that because that poisoned the well for video game movies for a long time, maybe Mm -hmm. there's more animosity than if they just made a bad movie to start with. They started the curse. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) One thing I'd be curious to see, and we get a bit of it in that documentary that that Wayne had sent out to us, but if you've all seen Apocalypse Now and then seen Mm -hmm. Heart of Darkness, which is the documentary (laughs) of Apocalypse Now, I would be curious if there was any possibility of a behind-the-scenes documentary release (laughs) of the making of this film, I'd watch the hell out of it. Because again, I enjoy the film, but the film, you can tell, was clearly a just an absolute nightmare for those involved because none of it seems to make any sense on screen. And typically if the movie turns out to be a smooth running machine, it at least feels competent once it's out there. This one feels like a a whirling storm of madness. (laughs) And Dennis Um, Hopper was in both. He's the, he's the X factor for all. That's the great (laughs) connective (laughs) tissue. You see where I'm going with here, right? That's some good stuff. But getting back to the actual film, so you have mm-hmm. the the theme song of Mario during the opening credits, which we'll never hear again. Instead, we'll hear the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do of Alan Silvestri, which is a fine theme in any other film, but give me back Mario. The opening. So <laughs> I tried to watch this movie legitimately. As you guys know, I try and support every one of these films, even if they are 20, 30, whatever years old. No one is streaming this thing, so I hunted down a copy of the Blu-ray. I spent a pretty penny getting this Blu-ray because I had to get it from the UK. Because apparently Nintendo of America has done what they can to bury this thing under just 50 pounds of rubble. Fine. So I got the Blu-ray. I paid for it. It comes in the mail. I tried to watch it a couple days ago. It says, no, you're in the wrong region. This is region two. I got so mad. So... I did have to find it somewhere online and pull a copy. I still don't feel like I'm pirating or stealing because I paid for it. But the reason I bring this up, when the actual film starts and it's so pixelated for the jungle 65 million years ago, I just about screamed and went to throw my Ramona the TV because I thought my file was corrupt. (laughs) Nope, turns out it looks ugly on purpose. (laughs) 
Only for it's a short while. Because it's a video game. See, right? get, it? get it? Which is a yeah. great gag, but I did yeah. not think that. I thought my file was corrupt. I was so mad. <laughs> there's a there's a bit. Have you have you seen uh, Twin Peaks uh, season three, the new season? I've there's seen a none of Twin Peaks. Keep trying. I'll never watch. There's it. literally a section where he's trapped in the other universe, and this character is coming in glitching, and it's literally designed. And you'd be watching it streaming, and he literally did that to freak you out and think your stream was breaking down. Basically, oh, nice. that's something. <laughs> so that reminds you of what happened there. Anyway, yeah. continuing with the the opening, actually, <laughs> I know it's a bad animation thing, but when the narrator's talking and kind of just sums up that quick story, I looked at Christine and I said, that actually is pretty interesting. I like the concept of uh, the meteor separating the dinosaurs and yes. they've evolved. This is before we find that they're actually humans involved, but the yeah, idea that yeah. <laughs> their dimension was separate and they've evolved into their own way. We've evolved. And I was like, Oh, the idea of that's really cool. Yes. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. and again, for anyone who hasn't seen it, very simple idea. Your opening narration is, the dinosaurs are there talking in Brooklyn accents in 16-bit animation, which is hilarious. It's amazing. Brooklyn sounding dinosaurs talking to each other. The this. meteor comes and hits them. You've got narration by Dan Castellan, and I can never pronounce his name, but of the Simpsons. Meteor comes down, and instead of killing all the dinosaurs like we believe, it pushed them into a parallel dimension. So now you have <laughs> us evolving from primates to becoming humans, and the dinosaurs evolving from dinosaurs to become apparently Humans. Humans. Which is where I got a little confused because <laughs> if I put a picture of an ape beside me, I mean, one, I'm an ugly dude. So, okay, fine. I look a little bit like an ape. <laughs> but I can but see the evolution. two legs, two arms, standing upright, the face, not that far off. If I put me beside a velociraptor, I don't think I see that connection quite as strongly. <laughs> they look way too normal to have evolved from dinosaurs. Just give them like lizard skin, something. It was cheap. Yeah. They evolved into low budget humanoids. Yes. But they, yeah. yes. they could have just kept it as like the Goomba looking creatures. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, they, that's what they evolved into. These big things with small heads that look like dinosaurs. Right. Oh, and, well, wait, I think that would have required someone to have actually planned this out that is true. and not to have frantically changed their mind every, every five minutes during shooting. Exactly. Yeah. Goombas look really good. I like the animatronics on the Goombas. You've Muzzle. got that, like, the they're the best the thing about this show. Moving on them. They look yeah. great. To my opinion, they're the best thing about this show. They're, they're the best 100%. characters. They make me laugh yeah. the most. They're, they're the highlight and of the whole movie. Like Adam was saying, the, the mafioso kind of idea of them with the, you know, big, imposing looking henchmen, Goombas, the little tiny head on them to show that they're not really smart. So they just do what they're told, but they always have like this smile to their face. They look so happy yeah. to be there. Yeah, they're maybe the most adorable thing in the movie, which is hilarious because Yoshi's there and he's downright scary, in my opinion. I'm not going near him. (laughs) The Goombas, I'd hang out with them. Yeah. Yeah. There is a moment with Yoshi in this movie where where he he lashes his tongue around her ankle and draws her in and they cut away from it. And I'm like, don't (laughs) tell me he's he's eating her. And when you cut back, he's attempting to eat her. And I was just like, oh, my. Right? Yeah. Again, it's they took the concept of what it was, which was a small dinosaur with a tongue that can latch onto things, and they turned it into, like, Cronenberg horror instead of a <laughs> cute cartoon creature so, that he is in the, in the, in the game, right? Yeah, well, yeah. So Yoshi, to my understanding, is the size of a horse because Mario rides him. He's got a big, lovable tongue that's hanging out all the time like... Odie out of Garfield 
Yeah. And he looks like a friendly dragon, like Puff the Magic Dragon. This thing looks like a two and a half foot velociraptor. It's got sharp little teeth. I don't know how anyone trusts this thing. Koopa having it chained up is the most reasonable decision in this film. <laughs> that thing is downright scary. Yep. Yes. Yes. The Goombas, they're lovable, right? But you have an opening to the film after your narration and dinosaurs and separate universes. You have an opening that steals from Blade or Blade stole from this. Which one came out first? This was first. So Blade stole this from this. First. Of the yeah. special baby dropped off at the at the church so that a nurse sorry the the nuns can take care of it and that is apparently princess daisy who is a baby that pops out of an egg sure fine there are a lot of questions and about then the, egg the next business, yeah well, i know but <laughs> then the next 25 minutes and i say 25 minutes because i paused it because i was blown away by this this is supposed to be a kids movie and a roller coaster of fun goofy wild antics and the first 25 minutes are a rom-com between a plumber and a girl raised in a convent who's now acting as an archaeologist in Manhattan. That's the plot for 25 <laughs> yep. minutes. Am I wrong? Paleont- nope. Paleontologist. You are wrong. Yep. <laughs> Paleontologist. You know, I was so close. You know I was so close. <laughs> it's, okay, this, this shows you why this movie is the intersection of a couple of things. It was a very brief historical moment where like about three different things were happening in movies. And that allowed that to happen. And Kids' movies were allowed to be kind of inappropriate for kids and yeah. also a very weird mix of down-to-earth and completely off the wall. There's a movie from around this period called Nothing But Trouble, which I haven't okay. even seen, mm-hmm. but it features Dan Aykroyd as these, like, the most horrifically disgusting aliens you will ever see in your life. It's got some weird horror movie plot. It's supposed to be a funky kids movie that the whole family can enjoy. I haven't actually even seen this movie, but it looks like, like, just you look at these things for one second and you're like, I never want to watch this because of how ugly these characters are and that's the kind of thing that this movie it's this movie isn't as bad in that regard but it's definitely in that like we can be gross we can have like a story about plum and you know regular human interaction plumbers in manhattan or whatever you can have that stuff and then as you say strippers later on you can have that in a kids movie for the family like it reminds me of the mask which is not a a knock against it because the mask in my opinion balances this way better where you have a rom-com stuck in the middle of basically a cartoon and that's what this one tries to do my only frustration is it's 25 minutes straight of a rom-com with nothing kind of fantastical. And then it's just pure fantastical craziness. They, If you're going to have a relationship in it, maybe have it organically oh, take so place. The, rather the interesting than, thing about the You recruit. know what it's like? You know what it's like? It's like Howard the Duck. That's what it's like. Oh God, Howard the Duck not also has an ill-advised romance between... Anyway, go on. The, the yeah, interesting yeah. thing Sorry, about the on. rom-com is that they've chosen to go with Luigi and her rather than Mario and the princess, right? Because let's right. let's face it, mm-hmm. when this game, they're writing this off of the Mario games. There's not much story. There's there's really nothing to talk about. Other The one thing you know is sure. Bowser's kidnapped the princess and Mario's out to save the princess. That's the only two real factors you need in a Mario movie. Mm-hmm. But they chose Luigi. So, And that, that's where I had the issue with the casting in terms of age, even though I like them both. But I just thought it was weird that they have the rom the romance between luigi and the princess and, rather than mario and as you as you talk about and again it's one of the, those areas where the movie 
maybe waste the actors. I'm not really sure because I, I don't know how good of an actress Samantha Mathis is, but because I, I, I know she's been in other things, but she's utterly forgettable to me. I don't remember her. Um, she was really good in Broken Arrow. I liked her in that quite a bit. Fully remember it. Um, but point is, the point is, that is also some of the cringiest moments of the movie because the dialogue <laughs> is so unbelievably awful. Like I, I cannot imagine being an actor having to deliver any of that dialogue. Like it, it just, there's one part where he's trying to say to her, forgive me if I say something weird and, and kind of creepy or just weird because I'm just so nervous. He's trying to say it's because he's nervous, but then she cuts him off to be like, no, you could just end this if you want. And he's like, no, I, I was going to say, and it's just like, what can, can someone end this I for me? I like that about them. They're both so self-conscious and awkward that instead of one of them coming across as pathetic, they come across as kind of a decent match for each other. It's not the characterization. That. that was okay. It's, it's not the characterization. It's the dialogue. Like well, dialogues who, all over the place. Who, who their characters are. I agree with you. Their characters are great together. The dialogue in some of the rom-com exchanges, I wanted it to end. <laughs> Cause I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it better. <laughs> I wanted it to end. But I, I think mean, I think Mark has it, had a good point earlier about Hoskins and Leguizamo are both really good actors. And it is literally like, okay, we're making a movie about a, a Brooklyn plumber, uh, you know, and he looks like a little short, fat guy with a mustache. And it's like, yep, that's what Bob Hoskins is. I think either Siskel or Ebert, I can't remember which one it was, they said one of their rules for judging a movie was would I rather be watching a documentary of these actors or these characters just sitting around having a coffee or would I rather be watching the movie? And in this case, it's like, I would just watch a movie about Hoskins and Leguizamo yeah. as Brooklyn plumbers doing something yeah. because they're, they're so great together and just hanging out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's, it that aspect was actually nailed. It's not necessary for the movie, but they got it exactly right. You know, And I got so, a lot of questions. Yeah leading back to the movie and at its core at the beginning, they're plumbers looking for work, except they almost make it look like they're, they respond to emergencies that go out on some sort of like broadcast because like they show up. Yeah. Is there a ah. CB radio for plumbers? Yeah. yeah. They show is up. They're thing? like, Oh, Scafoldi or whatever, beat us again. I'm like, beat you again. Aren't you yeah. called as a plumber to a site? Like, did they call you both? Right. Like, what's happening here? Oh my god! Like I, Plumber nine. That was pretty weird. It sounded like they got hired for a job. Not yeah. we put out. Uh, we put out an all call all to every bulletin. plumber out yeah. there. Grab your plungers and storm on over. That's a pretty yeah. weird system. And storm to the construction site was shut down, where you don't yeah. need any plumbers. <laughs> So yes. I was just like, what? I mean, usually happening? you call the plumber you want who is the one you yeah. can afford. It's like, yeah. that's not really up for debate, usually. Anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. and the random calling in via the, the phone booth to some random hotline that just gives you work. <laughs> I just don't know how right. any of it works. It's, so well, it seems point, more like that the plumbers are more like bounty hunters in this world. They, they <laughs> yes. seem. Far yes. more renegade and far more important. I've never had to like get a last minute plumber to come flying in and save me, but plumber hunters. There's a part of me that I, wants I, to live I, in that I'd world. Buy that. Yeah. You need a plumber. Okay. When you need a plumber, you need a plumber. When you need a plumber, you need one. Yeah. Yeah. But you call one, you don't call the plumber hotline who <laughs> no. now gets all the hot shot plumbers out there to race in for you. Uh, yeah, the top gun of yeah. plumbers is not coming, yeah. Right. 
<laughs> I want to know the cool nicknames they'd have as plumbers instead of like Iceman and and <laughs> what were all the ones they had in, like Maverick and whatnot. Just what kind of cool names could you get if you shit. were the plumber? Poop shoe. Yeah, probably uh, turd. <laughs> turd. Brown They're all going to be disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Rim job. There that's go. got to be oh, at least god. one. Yeah. Oh god. I'm just saying that's got to be at least one. <laughs> For sure. I'll be rim job. <laughs> that is. Oh, that is fantastic and sad at the same time. Yeah. There is clearly too much to discuss about this this particular film. We haven't even got so to the. We are going to, have to, to do what we've never done before, and we're going to have to cover this in two segments. Because we're approximately 20 minutes into this hour and a half film. <laughs> and we can't make it any further. This movie is, this is Goliath and all of us combined are maybe David. I don't know. This this is the last boss. I feel like if you all pebble. leave me after this, I won't blame you. I took three hits. <laughs> but we are going to come back and discuss the film. The film some more. <laughs> because yes. <laughs> there's just too much this film is mythical there's too much surrounding it but when we come back we'll get into all sorts of crazy things you have the stripper club stuff you've got rocket boots that are showing up in other films you have donald trump as played by dennis hopper before trump was trump <laughs> this is it. devolving yeah. like he did in his presidency it is yes. unreal you don't want to miss it you will join us I have been Nick Moore. With me were Wayne Brissett, Mark Athenis, and Adam Prosser, and I will keep them hostage for the next time around. Gentlemen. See you soon. Game over. <laughs> Insert coin. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athanas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore, with special guest Adam Prosser of the What Mad Universe podcast. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review. We'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email. RetroGamingFool at gmail.com Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.